From the Quadesh Family Church, Apostle Joel Obobasa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teachings that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God. Okay, praise the Lord. I have found a new life in Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for one more opportunity you are giving to us to come before you, to be admonished in your word. We ask, Lord, that you open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. We pray for the gift of God. We pray for the grace of God, for the Holy Spirit, Lord. Deliver us from dry preaching and dry hearing. Inspire us by the message and teach us your ways. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. Hallelujah. All right. So please be seated. Amen. We were going to have a video today, but I feel like I should preach. So I'm going to share with you the word of God. Amen. Because we've been talking about something, isn't it? We've been working on something. And um, I want to go a little deeper into it. Amen. Um, so let's go into the word and um, we've been talking about David isn't it yes um, hmm. what's, the, what's that song uh, the worship song I was playing last night a whole lot <laughs> people People were asleep in the car. <laughs> so people don't know that there was a worship song going on. Pastor Charles, do you remember it? <laughs> Who else was in the car? <laughs> Michelle doesn't remember it either. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Beautiful. It's a song about um, needing the Lord. Actually, why? I was playing it from here. <laughs> anyway, amen. It's just a song that has blessed me in the last few days. And, you know, when you have a song that's working, just work it because the Holy Spirit is using that song the Holy Spirit is probably talking to you the Holy Spirit is ministering to you and so you go with the flow amen so um, but anyway let me just go into the word of God and let's continue to learn what we can uh, while we can about David. Amen. Amen. 
So we've gone through a number of the principles. There are so many of them. And so I'm just going to pick and choose some of them because I'm trying to bring it to an end. Amen. Now, we talked about number one. Number one is, um, what's number one? What do you remember? Small beginnings, right? Yes, the principle of small beginnings, right? Are you going to respect small beginnings? And small things in general, that when something is small, it doesn't mean God is not in it. Do you see what I'm saying? That God may be right there in that still small voice, you will find God's voice. Do you get it? So we must learn to respect small things. Number two is doing menial jobs with joy. Amen. Any opportunity you have to do anything, show respect for the opportunity and just do it. Amen. You never know when it will come in handy. Hallelujah. And especially those of you who are blessed to get to do things in church, you need to be very careful with them and do them well. Because you will never know when that will become the thing you must put on a resume. (laughs) Oh, yes. And that may be why you are hired. Yes, there's some good people out there who will hire you, not only because you have the experience, but it's also where you got the experience from. You know, and if you get a church person, the other day I walked into a car dealership and... um, like I was wearing a shirt with uh, some, you know, I think it said church growth. It is possible, <laughs> you see. And then one man I met said, you know, I like your T-shirt, you know. And I said, wow, okay, great. Then later I was looking up that company on the, um, the internet. And I found out that he is the vice president of that whole group of dealerships. He's the owner's son. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So even though he was walking around there, he (laughs) has a lot of power, (laughs) you see. And um, if I was looking for a job or something, he was the right person to like what I was wearing. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, now if such a person gets hold of your resume and he can see that you've been shooting video for the church you know he might be interested in you do you get it yeah he's dancing (laughs) can you see what I'm saying so the opportunities don't don't disrespect it because it's church don't join those who don't respect church things do you understand don't take it lightly because it's church respect it Do it with all your might because one day it may be the only thing you put there as proof that you know something about some software. Why? Because you've been using it in your church for some time or that you can do Excel because you use it to check attendance. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So it's a tip there for you. Amen. Amen. Do small jobs and do them with joy. Amen. Next one is choosing and staying with what you have known and tested, isn't it? Yes. Choose and stay with what you have known 
and tested. Don't go on some freak adventures. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> because something is new. Hallelujah. Yes, let's stay with what we know that God has blessed us with and let's work it and let's build it to become what God has ordained for it to become. Amen. Next one is ministering to others, isn't it? Ministering to others. We must minister to others if we ourselves want to be blessed. Amen. Many times, what you want is not in your hand. But something else that benefits another person is in your hand. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, what you want is not in your hand. But you have something in your hand that somebody else wants. Now, the Bible says that if you're willing to give that person that thing in your hand that they want, it will be the key that unlocks in another person's hand that thing they are holding which belongs to you. Did you get that long, that long explanation? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm sure there are easier ways of saying what I said. But I'm saying that have you heard about butter trade? Yeah. Right? Butter trade is like when, when business started, you know, before money came, people used to exchange goods directly in a system called the butter system. Uh huh. Okay, okay. Butter, not, not butter. <laughs> Butter is the one you put on your bread. <laughs> so she also thought I was talking about but oh Lord. <laughs> Barter. <laughs> I think so. Can you one of you come and interpret for me, please? <laughs> okay. Now in that system, you take, you see, because there was no money. Now you sell your thing, someone gives you money, and you use the money to buy whatever you want. But back then, you would, if you had whatever you had, you needed to hold on to it so you can find someone who has what you need and also wants what you have. <laughs> Do you see? Yeah. yeah. So if you needed a bag and you had some sugar, you needed to go around to find someone who has a bag and wants sugar. Yeah. Do you see? Yeah. Then you just exchange. That's how it is done. Now, this thing I'm talking about is a kind of spiritual butter system. Do you get it? That many times you find yourself not having what you want, but having something that another person wants, including something as basic as your time. Do you see? 
That's all you have. You just have time, but you need money. Do you see? Yes. And so you go around and you find someone who could use your time and is willing to part with some money. Do you see? Yes. That's how we get jobs. That's how jobs work. You give someone your time and skills and the person gives you back money for it. Then with the money, you get what your time couldn't get you. You see? So many times in life, you don't have what you want. You don't have what you need. But God gives you something. He puts something in your hand. You see, by which you unlock in another person's hand what is in their hand that you don't have. So something you have can be the key to bringing into your life something you need that you don't have. Amen. Amen. Does it make sense? Oh, yeah. That is why it's important to minister to others with what you have. Just minister to others. Be willing to part with, serve others, be a blessing to other people and you will be surprised how God will use that to bless your own life. Amen. Amen. We know that David ministered to Saul. Isn't it? He ministered to Saul and Saul was refreshed. That's what the Bible says. David ministered to Saul. He took an harp and played with his hands. 1 Samuel 16, 23. He took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed. Can you see? Saul was refreshed. David was a source of refreshment for Saul who needed it so badly. You see? And that that opened a door for David into the palace. You see? It put him around the palace. That's how he even found out that there was Goliath. (laughs) You see? And when Goliath came up, he was around there. That's how he heard that there was such a person. And then he asked Saul if he could take the opportunity, if he could try it. And Saul said, no, 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 don't worry. This this is too high for you. And David said, no, I, I want a chance. I want a chance at this opportunity. I want to try this. And sometimes it's because you are in a place that an opportunity that has opened up, you are given a chance to try it. So he insisted that he would like to try. Then Saul said, okay, okay, you can try it, but you have to wear my armor and so on. And so Saul dressed him up in his own armor. And so, and when David put the things on, he could not even move his foot. (laughs) Do you see? But this is all an opportunity that is coming because he put his own needs aside and decided to minister to other people. Amen. Amen. So I don't encourage people to keep to themselves and say that, you know, I can't come to church today because I'm doing this and that and that for myself. Or I don't feel like this. Or I don't feel that way. You know, don't be so selfish all the time. Don't come to church because of what you think you may be getting out of the church that you are willing to forfeit. 
it's easy for people not to come to church because they feel that they are the ones coming to benefit from the church and whatever benefit it is, they are willing to forfeit it. You see, so they don't feel like they are losing anything. So you have somebody can even tell you, and I've had people say this before to me that, I mean, why? I mean, I, I, I mean that when I come to church, it's for me. And I'm saying, I can't come today. Why? Why are you so worried? You get it? But another reason for coming to church is what you do for others. Yes. It's for what others get out of your presence here. And if you were to think that way, you would come to church more often because you would put yourself aside and say, you know, others are depending on me. Someone is counting on me. So I'm going to make it there by all means. And you will go there. And it is through that that you will find that you fulfill that scripture. The, we've been reading that scripture throughout uh, this uh, lesson. Luke chapter 16 and verse 12, I think. Luke chapter 16 and verse 12. It says, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Do you see it again? Yes. That it takes faithfulness in that which benefits another man to access that which benefits you. Amen. Amen. It takes faithfulness with that which seems to be going to somebody else. And so you may find someone who will tell you, listen, you have to think about yourself. You know, you have to think about yourself. These church people, they'll do this, this, this. Some even I've had someone who was told by another person, they'll use you and dump you. <laughs> you heard that before? Yes. Someone will tell you that these church people, they'll use you and dump you. What a thing to say to somebody. It's so evil. It's so evil. But that's what people do. And they say such things to people. And unfortunately, people fall for such, you know, nice sounding, you know, but very evil statements. And you miss out on your blessing. Hallelujah. So it says, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So that which is your own or the release of that which is your own depends on your faithfulness in that which is another man's. And that's not my theory. Your Bible, which is in your church, controlled by the people you know at the back, (laughs) that Bible is saying that if you are not faithful in that which is another man's, no one will give you that which is your own. Hallelujah. Yes. Look, in life, it is like that. You can have something that is on you, but it has nothing to... A good example is breast milk. The ones who carry it have no use for it. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) And sometimes it's even a source of pain for them. But it is another person's entire world His entire world 
is hanging on your chest. <laughs> his water, his juice, his meat, his comfort, uh, his nutrients, his vitamins, his antibodies. And I mean, his entire world is just hanging on your chest. <laughs> Something that you would, in fact, conveniently do without. Yes. But that's how God has made it. And you will find that sometimes when people haven't fed their babies for some time, where's, where's Asabia? She has, to, she has to be in this part of the preaching. Uh, call her. <laughs> Call her to come and help the preaching. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? And sometimes when people have been carrying other people's food and other people's livelihood and, and their entire world, Asavia, please come. Come and help us because the preaching is getting locked up somewhere. Please come. Come, come with your baby. Come with the, with the baby. Yeah. Now, we're talking about breastfeeding, and it seems you are the most recent one uh, we have here. So, please, we're saying that sometimes somebody's entire world is hanging on your chest. Is it true or false? It's true. It's true? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Come, come, come and stand here. Now, is it also true that sometimes when you have withheld the baby's breast milk for a long time, it becomes a source of pain and discomfort for yourself? Yes. Is that true? Yes. It gets engorged. It gets engorged. Yeah. It's a word. It's a word. Yeah. You can, you can look it up at home. <laughs> right. And when it gets engorged, what happens? It's painful. So it is painful. You have to express it. You have to express it. So it means that it means that releasing what belongs to him becomes even a blessing and a source of relief for you. Yes. You know, today I was looking in my closet and I saw some clothes and suits and so on. I said, you know, these things, they are here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said, these things, they belong to some people because they are, they are not things that, okay, they are not things that I see myself wearing. <laughs> you see, and, and, and they're just there and they're hanging here. But guess what? If I was to release them to the people, the minimal benefit would be space to me. Yes, that would be the least I would get out of it. Not to mention the many thank yous. <laughs> Do you see? Yeah, and glory to God. <laughs> and testimonies. <laughs> yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we need to be serious with this. Don't, 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 don't take that advice when people start to tell you they are using you. Nobody is using you. Nobody is using you. It's a way to cut you off your blessing, you see. And that's not something that is true only in the church. Even if you left the church, it will still be true. Yeah. 
You, you're still going to need... Do you know anybody who earns an income without doing something that benefits another person? No. Nobody has anything except for what is given them for doing something that benefits another. So it will be true, even if you are not in church, even if you backslide and become an unbeliever, it will still be true that for you to advance and for you to do well, you need to be faithful in something that belongs to another man. Amen. Amen. So every chance you get to be a blessing, be a blessing. Amen. Help someone look after their baby. Amen. Yes, watch somebody's kids. Watch somebody's kids because sure enough, it will soon be your turn when you will also have your own kids and need somebody to watch them for you. Oh, yes. Every kid must be watched by somebody other than their mother. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. If we need you to come and teach us about breast milk, you better come and teach us. Because you will never know when we will also need to teach you something else. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Go back. (laughs) Is that point very clear? So David played music for Saul and it opened a world of opportunity for him. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Saul liked him and he became his armor bearer. Yes, someone who went there to play music for him. Suddenly, he is now his armor bearer. Do you see? Yeah, he's now doing the job of an armor bearer when he actually just went there to to just play music for him as he was not doing well mentally. Hallelujah. So let's be careful. God is going to give us many opportunities to do things for people. Amen. Amen. And we must not turn those opportunities down. Right? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 21. It says, And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and became his armor bearer. <laughs> armor bearer is like he became his uh, personal assistant. Do you see? Yes. Meanwhile, he was his musician. That's what took him to the palace. He went there to play the music. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Look at it. Verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And when he came, verse 21, he came and stood before him, and he loved him greatly and became his armor bearer. You see, because notice, they were looking for someone who would play. Verse 16, let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass 
when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shall be well. So they are looking for a musician, isn't it? Now here comes somebody, or someone says, look at verse 17. He says, Saul said to his servants, verse 17, go, go with me very quickly, please. Um, verse 17. He says, and Saul said to his servants, provide me now. Provide me now what? A man that can play well and bring him to me. So they are looking for somebody who plays and plays well, isn't it? Then somebody comes and says, I've seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. He can play well. He's a man that is cunning in playing. Can you see? But you see, there's always more to people. People can always do more than what they are hired for. Do you see? So look at him. He says he's a man who is cunning in playing. But he's also a mighty valiant man. That means he's a tough guy. <laughs> Do you see? And he's a man of war. He knows how to fight. And he's also prudent in matters. That means he's educated and he's intelligent. Do you see Yes, and then it says he's a comely person. That means he's well put together. You know, he dresses well. He looks sharp. He's smart. He speaks well. He says barter instead of butter. <laughs> Do you see the thing? He's a comely person. And, the, and then he says on top of all of that, he's anointed. The Lord is with him. Wow. You see, so you're walking in life and these are your credentials. You have all these things to you, but you don't have a job. Because somebody needs to give you a chance. These are the things you can do. You can do all of these things. You're a mighty man of valor, but you're not in the army. <laughs> You're a man of war, but they haven't hired you. The army didn't take you. You know, the army doesn't take people when you're a certain height, I think. Yes, you need to be a certain, at least a certain height. Yeah. Do you see? Yeah. And you may be prudent in matters, but Wall Street is not minding you. <laughs> Do you see the thing? But here is an opportunity to play music for someone who is crazy. He's lost his mind. It may look like it's a low job, but in that is an opportunity. And when he went there to do that, shortly after that, he's promoted to his armor bearer because they see that not only can he play, but he seems to make meaningful contributions to things. And Saul is saying, you know, this guy who is playing the music, how about if we put him in charge of my office? So he can handle my schedules and he can do all these things for me because he's also prudent in matters. How about if we invite him to our meetings? When we're having our cabinet meetings, discussing the nation and discussing the issues, why don't we include him? It may be that it was in such a meeting that the whole discussion about Goliath came up. Do you see? Yes. And then he heard it. And this Goliath that he killed was the beginning of 
greatness for David. Amen. Amen. I can't say it enough. Don't frown on an opportunity to do something for someone. Amen. If someone says, I'm going out, can I leave my kid with you? Don't come up suddenly with an excuse because, you know, it's coming to disturb my sleep. That boy doesn't keep quiet. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And don't say bad things about somebody's boy because you don't know what your little boy will be like. <laughs> Can I have an amen? amen? I think we can even go home on this one because I feel blessed already. Okay? So something in your hand will bring you what is not in your hand. If you are willing to part with what is in your hand and what you can do, it will bring to you what is in another person's hand which belongs to you. Say amen. All right. Now, the next point is also a very important point, which is fellowship and non-isolation. That means do not keep to yourself. You know, this morning I was telling my wife that, you know, we all need more brothers and sisters than our parents can give us. That is the truth. You know, yes. And I mentioned one person's name and I said, my parents or my mother could not have given me this person. And the proof of that is she didn't. (laughs) You see, yes. You need more brothers and sisters than your parents have given you. Yes, and some of you have just one brother. (laughs) And some have one sister, and some even have none. (laughs) Yes, some have no sisters, just a lot of brothers. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So what God didn't put in you, what God didn't put in your house, he put in someone and placed that person right near you. (laughs) You see the thing? Yes. He placed that person right near you because you don't need everything with you. Yesterday when we were coming from Vegas, you know, I realized I I didn't have enough space in the car. I had more things to carry than I had space in the car for it. But I put the rest of the things in another person's car right near me. Guess what? I have my things. (laughs) Do you see? So I didn't have to carry those things. They belong to me but they hitch a ride in another person's car. Why? Because that person was near me. Not one of the ones going to New York. (laughs) You get it? Because there are some of us who love people who are distant and respect that more than the brother that God has put right near you. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. You love your friends and relatives and people who are far away. And people that God has intentionally set by your side, you ignore them. (laughs) Now, when you do that, you're going to find that a lot of the bags that belong to your life will be left behind in Vegas. (laughs) Yes. You will have belongings, things that belong to you, but they will be in Vegas. (laughs) 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? But if you respect, love, embrace the people that God has placed right near you, you will find that not everything has to be with you. If you're willing to interact with them, if you're willing to love people, if you're willing to forgive people, because anytime there's a problem, it means the bridge is broken. <laughs> Do you see? <laughs> yes, it means Putin has <laughs> attacked the relationship. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Now, you may say that, I don't need him. He should just be there. No, that's, we don't live like that. There's nothing like, I don't need him. There's nothing like that. You need me and I need you. So we need to fix the bridge. (laughs) Because that's the bridge upon which the things that belong to me, which are in your truck, they have to come to me using that bridge. And that bridge is forgiveness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, that bridge is forgiveness. You have to forgive me. <laughs> you don't have a choice. You don't forgive me, your goods are locked on the other side. <laughs> Amen. So we are all forced, we are all under an obligation to learn how to forgive. So that we can keep our relationships going. Don't isolate yourself. Because you don't have everything. And you don't have all it takes to be all you can be. You see, some of the things that will help you advance, they are in other people's lives. You have to relate with them to access them. Love is the way that we access. Love is the key that unlocks the things in people that we were put in them for our benefit. Amen. Amen. Yes. And when you do that, you find you come into a whole lot of knowledge. Knowledge. Things that are not found in your circles. You see, things that are not found in your circles because somehow they're just not in your world. Because everyone's world is just so large. Do you see? It only goes up to a point. And stops. You can only expand the sphere of your world by attaching another person's world to yourself. Do you see? Yes. Suddenly, new possibilities because it's not only your world you're considering, but you're considering your world and her world as well. So you can benefit from all the friends you have as well as the friends that she has. People that she has forgiven. You get those relationships don't depend on your forgiveness. They depend on her forgiveness. So her sacrifices can now feed into your life because you are willing to forgive her. Does it make sense? Yes. So for forgiving her, just building one bridge, you get to benefit from her 10 bridges that she has built. So fellowship, interaction, non-isolation, don't keep to yourself. And the fact that somebody hurt you doesn't mean that you must now come up with a policy 
And say, that's why I keep to myself. (laughs) Maybe you don't know people. (laughs) But if you know people, you find out that everybody is prickly. (laughs) Everybody is prickly. (laughs) There is not a single person you can relate closely with who will not prick you at some point. Yeah. Yes. Everybody is like a beautiful rose flower, but on our stalks, we have the things. <laughs> you see, yes. And if you come close enough, we will give you a prick. But if you're able to survive it, you get to pick our flowers. And you get to benefit and to be blessed. Amen. Amen. Okay, next one is to avoid the arrows of those who hate you. Hmm. Next one is adapting for progress. Right? Adapt so you can survive. Do you see? Yes. Adapt yourself sometimes to people, to situations, to places, just so you can survive. You get it? If you insist on what you're used to, you will drive people away from you and you will drive yourself also from many opportunities. Amen. So adapt yourself. Amen. And you will eventually uh, be blessed. Say amen. Amen. Next one, behaving wisely when you are blessed. Do you have that? That's number nine, right? Number 10 is what? Seeing people in the right way. Seeing people in the right way. Okay. Then number 11 is um, not violating fathers. We talked about that too, isn't it? Number 12, the principle of listening to advice. Amen. Listening to advice. Hallelujah. Make sure you listen to advice. When people advise you and it's scriptural, if the advice is based on the word, listen to advice. Allow yourself to be advised. Amen? And it will be a blessing. You know, I was sharing a verse a day or two ago. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 13. And you see how that this guy... The Bible says, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Do you see? An old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. And I was explaining that. Is it not interesting that the person is old and he's a king, but he's still foolish? Do, do, do you see the thing? That sometimes our age, you know, and our position, it traps foolishness in us. Do you get it? Everyone sees you and they assume that you're 20-something. You must know whatever. You must know what you're about. And you don't. You don't. <laughs> but you look like you do. <laughs> 
Have you seen or met some of those people who look like they have it all together and they really know? You know, years ago, a long time ago, when I used to work in London, I once sat on a train and this fellow joined the train with his suit, um, you know, his suit and his briefcase, you know, looking very sharp and looking like he was going to work at the bank, you know. And then along the line, he opened his briefcase and I took a peek because he was just, you know, sitting right next to me, and he had only an apple in it. <laughs> yeah, he had just an apple. There was just an apple, one apple rolling in there. <laughs> so there are some people who look and carry themselves well. Like they have it all together and they have things going for them and they have nothing going for them. They don't know anything. Do you see? So sometimes a person looks like they are mature enough. They speak maturely. They behave maturely. Do you see? Or that they are called so and so. They have a position or they have a title of some sort but between their age and their title lies their folly. Yeah. Revelation chapter 3, the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. Look at this. You will see somebody who is saying one thing and yet is another thing altogether. He says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Is it possible? <laughs> How is it possible that the one who says, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You see, his true condition, which he is not aware of, is that he is wretched. He's miserable, he's poor, he's blind, and he's naked. Do you see? Yes. He's more things that he, he's not aware of than the things he's conscious of. He says, I'm rich, and truly he's poor. Do you see? He says, I'm increased with goods. And he said, no, you are not. You are wretched. You are actually miserable. And you are blind. And you are naked. You are exposed. But you don't even know it. Hallelujah. Amen. You are so quiet. I don't know if, the, if it is a right preaching. Like, like prophet will say, I think I'm talking to myself. Hmm. It's serious, isn't it? That is why we must do what? Listen to advice. Amen. We must listen to advice. And when someone offers to talk to you, talk to them. Listen to what they are saying. Because you may be saying, I have need of nothing. 
but it's only because you don't know that you are miserable. That the step you're about to take is leading you right into the heart of misery. You get it? Yes. Because sometimes it takes time for the fruit of your ways to manifest. <laughs> yes. The fruit of your, yes, everybody's ways has fruit. You see? Yes. Let me show you the verse. <laughs> Would you like to see it? Okay, it's in Proverbs chapter 1. Uh oh. He says they will eat the fruit of their. Well, I can't, I can't find it where. Proverbs what? 131. What does it say? Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their way and be filled with their own devices. Now, why is that going to happen? Read the verse before that. Let's see. Yes. It says, they would none of my counsel. <laughs> huh? It's a serious verse. Um, you should, be, you should be surprised that you don't have this underlined in your Bible as, as one of the major verses that you are living by. Let's go down to verse 28. Verse 27. Verse 25 even. What about 24? <laughs> because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have set at not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as a desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, they shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. <laughs> For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Why? For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall be their destruction. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. It's a serious, it's a serious, very serious passage. Yes. You see, he said, you are, you, you are simple. Look at it. The turning away of the simple. A simple person is someone who doesn't know much. Do you see? In fact, in very old English, a simple person is to say that the person is foolish. 
So you, you are simple. And you are also turning away. <laughs> and he says, this is the thing that kills people who are simple. It says, the turning away of the simple slays them. It slays them. And the prosperity of fools, that means advantages and benefits that come to a fool become the basis for his destruction. Yes. You put a car in the hands of a wrong person and that is what becomes his destruction. Yeah, it, it, it just destroys him. You give money to someone who is a certain way, then the money is what destroys him. You give a house, a relationship, and the relationship is what destroys the person. I mean, you were doing pretty good when you were by yourself. Do you see? When you were by yourself, then someone introduces a beloved to you, and now someone lives with you in your house, and now all sorts of things come out of you. Because your prosperity is destroying you. Doing better has not helped you. It's made you worse. What do you think? Yes. And he says, your ways, they have fruit. And there is no fruit that is born on the day the seed is planted. There's no fruit like that. So sometimes your ways are yet to yield their fruit. Do you see? It's just a matter of time when you will start to see and to reap the fruit of living like this or behaving like this or acting like this. It's only a matter of time before you start. He says your destruction will come like a whirlwind that's sudden and too strong. Too strong. The wind will just carry you and just blow you away somewhere. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And things that are carried by winds are never set down in the right place. You don't see a wind uproot a tree and nicely locate it in the next place. No. They take it and they crush it somewhere. <laughs> yes. The last time there was a hurricane, there was a boat sitting on somebody's house. <laughs> they were even wondering, now that the water is gone, how do we get this boat back <laughs> to, to the water? <laughs> Hallelujah. This is some serious word, I tell you. Are you hearing me? So, um, listen to advice. Amen. Next one is principle of allowing God to work things out. Allowing God to work things out. Do you see? Now, this principle, we see David practicing it in 1 Samuel chapter 26. Okay. When people were advising David to kill Saul. And David said, no, I'm not going to do it. Okay. So, verse 20, no, verse, first Samuel 26 and verse 9. 
It says, David said to Abishai, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? He said, don't, don't, don't take matters into your own hand just because he's offending us. The truth is, he is still the Lord's anointed. And if you touch the Lord's anointed, we will not be guiltless. Do you see? Then the next verse, the next verse, 10. David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. Three, three other possibilities. Do you see? Verse 11, verse 11, verse 11. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. Do you see the thing? So there are four ways that this man can die. One of them is I kill him. The other one is that his day to die will come. The third one is what? He, he will go into battle and die. And the fourth one is that the Lord will smite him and he will die. And he's saying that it looks like, it, it, no matter how you look at it, the man is going to die at some point. But let me exclude myself. I don't want to be the agent for this man's destruction. Yeah. You see, you, you, it's, it's, you shouldn't be surprised. I think as we talk about David, you should love him more. Yeah. You get it? Yes. And you should, you should understand why people call their children David. <laughs> and you should understand why David, even in spite of his mistakes, is the man after God's own heart. That God really likes this man, David. Do you see? Yes. God likes David. God liked David so much because of the way the man saw things. He said, you know, I'm just going to leave this matter in the hands of God. I'm going to leave this thing in the hands of God. I will not fight it. I will just leave it in the hands of God. Hallelujah. And many times in life, we have situations where we really feel like getting even with people. Oh, yes. Because sometimes people hurt you so badly. You get it? They just stir up instincts in you. You see, yeah, they stir up things in you and you wish you could just show them, you know, <laughs> yes, that you also have claws. <laughs> You get it? Yes, 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 yes. Your, your unredeemed self, eh? your pre-salvation self. Yeah, you just want to live out some of the old photos. <laughs> some of your old photographs, you want to just live and, uh, yes, just give them a piece of that photograph and then come back. Yeah, especially if you can do it around Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> By Sunday, you would have cooled off. <laughs> yeah. But David said, you know, 
there are many other ways that this man can be paid back. Do you see? Yeah. God can do it. Even if God doesn't do it, his own day will come. (laughs) And if his day has not come, the circumstances of life, the wars and battles of life will get him. But may God forbid that I should be. I don't know why people can't say this, let's say, to do with men of God. Why don't we just leave pastors to God? Especially when we know that we run the risk. If it's a 50-50 chance that we could be right or wrong, why don't we just leave them in the hands of the Lord? Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. But instead you find people who have YouTube channels devoted to talking about pastors and mocking and laughing at pastors and these people are supposed to be Christians. Yes, many of them are Christians. They are supposed to be church people. But what I've found is that when people stay in a church for a long time and are fruitless, when they are fruitless, they become so knowledgeable about church matters that they are forced to become critics. Yes. Because when people acquire knowledge and expertise in any field, they are either engaged in doing that or practicing that or they have to go on television and comment and criticize. That's it. (laughs) Yes. Do you see? Yeah. So why don't we just leave people and leave them in the hands of God? Yes, if you think that he's doing something wrong, he's doing whatever, just leave them in the hands of God. You know, yesterday, I was talking to one of the first love pastors and he was telling me about, I think it was a venue. They went to look for a venue for their church and they found one. When they found one, they were talking to the... uh, the owner or something, you see. Then the owner went to Google something, I think. And then he saw some of those funny things people had written about uh, the church and so on. I mean, you all know what I'm talking about, yes. And then based on that, the man replied to him that, yeah, because of the controversy, and so on about the church and so on. He's not going to give them the place. And I was just thinking, what you just missed an opportunity. Yes. Yes, you just missed an opportunity. It's, it's more like Mary showing up at your inn, about to give birth to her Messiah, and is asking you for a place to stay. And you say that because of something that you have read, You know, you don't even know who wrote that thing. You don't even know who. Why do we assume that anybody who writes anything is right? Yes. And if you're going to give as much credibility to such a stranger, why don't you give us the same credibility? Since you are sharing credibility. (laughs) You have as much reason to trust us as you have not to trust us. So why don't you even err 
on the side of helping something that I don't know these people but they need help and I'll err on the side of helping them instead of erring on the side of not helping them so I was telling him that the man just missed an opportunity he did yeah and time will tell eternity will tell I mean who we really are who our prophet is who our pastor is which man of God which great man of God who is making an impact starting from Jesus Christ which great man of God who is changing lives doesn't have people talking about him and saying negative things and things that are not true about him nobody is exempt from that Starting from Jesus Christ. They said Jesus Christ, he said that they shouldn't pay taxes. Yes. So it's like you're looking for, I'm one of the followers of um, Jesus Christ. We're looking for a place to our crowds have increased lately. You know, since we multiplied five loaves of bread and fed some people, our crowds have really, <laughs> you get it. Then you go to this Pharisee or this place and you say, we want to come and rent your place. And the person now comes in and says, are you the one? I don't know. We have heard that you have some controversial teachings on taxes. Yes. That you have some controversial things about taxes. And so because of that, we can't rent the place to you. That's how it would look. It was un- not unheard of. And that's how it is. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. And we who are in the church, if we have to rely, we are with the man in the church. And if we have to rely on what people who are not in the church, who barely know him, and who don't know anything about him, if we rely on what they say to know how to relate with the man, then we are off. We ourselves, there's something wrong with us. Because we, imagine, imagine if you are with your brother in the house, you know your brother. Yes, or your father, or your mother, you know them in the house. And then you go and read something in the newspaper about them. And suddenly that becomes your judgment about them. <laughs> so that's why Jesus asked his disciples two questions. He said, number one, who do men say that I am? Right. Then after they said John the Baptist, this, that, then after that, okay, who do you say? What's your personal experience with me? Yeah, and Peter said, oh, well, they may say whatever, John the Baptist, but for me, for me, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And I can't help but think any other way except this. I can't think any other way except this way. Why? Because I've seen the miracles. I've seen you raise the dead. I've seen you multiply five loaves to feed 5,000. I've seen you turn water into wine. I've heard you preach. I have listened to you closely. My life has been transformed. I used to be a fisherman. Look at me. I'm now becoming a preacher. I can't help but conclude that you are Christ, the son of the living God, no matter what anybody else says. And Jesus told him, that's not flesh and blood. That's not flesh and blood that revealed that to you. It is my father in heaven who has given you this revelation. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. And that's when he said, on this rock, this, this kind of solidness, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. People don't know that the prophecy on any church is that the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. Will not prevail means it's, it's a forecast of the outcome of the battle. You see, yes. One way to say that is that the gates of hell will have a lot of fights, but none of the fights will work. But he skips the fights and just says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you don't kill a church by what you write. You may succeed in not renting one small space to us. But it doesn't mean that you'll kill the church. The church will be there. The church will be there. What God has purposed. The Bible says when God stretches out his arm, who shall annul it? When God says, this is what I'm doing, who shall acknowledge? Who can bend back the arm of the Lord that is stretched out to do something? Even your arm cannot be bent very easily when you say you are doing something. Amen. Amen. So many times it's an opportunity. It's a blessing that you own a place And God's people want to use it to start a church. It's a blessing. I tell you. I have lived through it before. I've gone around begging people to use their place. Do you see? I've gone around begging people to use their place. And you see, when you you start a church or start, you look so pitiful and so miserable and you look so... You know, because you don't have anything. You don't have any members. You don't have all the things that make, you know, a church glorious. Yes. But that's how it is. Do you see? That's how it is. When Mary went knocking on the innkeeper's uh, um, door, she didn't look anything like anyone who was carrying the Messiah. The king of king himself was the one in the womb. She looked like a victim of teenage pregnancy who has just come and is trying to deliver her baby. And even if that is what it is, why don't you help a teenager who is pregnant? Because you don't know what the outcome will be. I'm sure that guy, I tell you, it must have been when he saw there wise men coming to the place that he started to wonder what's going on (laughs) what's going on (laughs) he probably thought the wise men were coming to stay overnight at his inn you know and was just you know thinking about reviews and other things that he's going to get when these important people come and stay in the place and he watched them come to the front of the place and maybe drive to the back of the place and wondered what was going on and went to take a peek and saw them on their knees taking out precious things and so so what is going on here? He missed an opportunity. He missed an opportunity. Life is full of opportunities that God gives to us. Do you see? 
and we must not miss those opportunities when they come round. Amen? Amen. We must not miss them. So, we're talking about allowing things to work out. Amen? Amen. If the person is bad, just leave it. Just let it work out. Let God handle the issue. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God says, I will repay. God said, I will repay. (laughs) You see, yes. And repayment is only done once. Once in the sense that if you repay, God has to stay back because then you put him at risk of being unjust. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? That the person is being overpunished because you have punished the person yourself. So God must leave him alone. Do you see? So you have to make a choice. Either you take matters into your own hands or allow God to do what he'll do. And the danger of taking matters into your own hand is that you can easily cross the line and then you will now be in trouble. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. The next point. Do you have time for another point? The next point It's the principle of not allowing rebels into your life. (laughs) Okay. One of the interesting events of David's life was when he put to death the man who claimed to have killed Saul in a battle. (laughs) Do you see? So David was there when a man came to him. Obviously, this man knew that Saul had been a source of torment for David. And so the man came to David and came to tell him a story. A story about how Saul had died at his hands. In other words, that he had killed Saul. And he thought it was going to be good news (laughs) to David. Do you see? But he was surprised that what he thought was going to bring good news ended up leading to his own death. (laughs) Yeah. Because David was a person who did not suffer fools gladly. (laughs) He did not bring rebels into his life. David knew clearly in his mind that wrong is wrong and right is right. Do you understand? that you don't become my friend just because you've killed my enemy. Do you see? When you kill my enemy, I have two options. Either to see you as a friend because you killed my enemy, or to see you as a killer. (laughs) Do you understand? Yes, you happen to have killed my enemy, but you, you are a killer. (laughs) So I need to watch myself around you. You see, and I don't want you anywhere around me because I see who you are. Look at it. First, second Samuel chapter 15. No, chapter 1, verse 15. Second Samuel chapter 1 and verse 15. Maybe I'll make this the last point for today and then we'll close. Amen. Amen. All right, so second Samuel. Chapter 1 
and verse 15. And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth has testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. (laughs) Do you see? Yes, the guy came to him and came to say that, um, he came to say that I met Saul and he was in some situation and whatever and I killed him and I've come to tell you. So he thought David was going to rejoice because his enemy was dead. Do you see? Yeah. Because people often gather around people whom they think will be happy to hear the evil that they have meted out to, let's say, someone who is their enemy. Do you see? That's why people group together. When somebody is upset with the church and leaves the church, he goes to find other people who are also (laughs) upset. Because it becomes a basis for relating and fellowship and friendship. Yes, it becomes a family. (laughs) It's a type of family. Do you see? Yeah. So this guy went to David and was hoping to pull him into that family. And he thought that, you know, David would be happy and excited to know that this man has dealt with his enemy, the man that was a threat to him. And David said, no, I don't believe in rebels. I'm afraid of people who are not afraid of killing and touching the Lord's anointed. I don't want you around me. And we ought to be able to say to people, you know, listen, I may be hurt by the church and I'm nursing my wounds, but you know, I'm afraid of people who speak against churches. Yes. Someone who is doing what you have refused to do. David had refused to touch the Lord's anointed. And here's someone who is bold and brave to come and say that, you know, I have killed Saul. Who is the Lord's anointed? And David said to somebody, go and deal with this man very quickly. Kill him. I don't want him anywhere near me. His own mouth said he has slain the Lord's anointed. Next thing you know, he's turned on me. (laughs) Are you getting it? Yes. So he said, I do not want these people around me. There's another situation where another man who killed the king's son called Ishbosheth, And that person also came to tell David. You see, Second Samuel chapter 4. Because Ishbosheth was Saul's son. And was supposed to be an heir to the throne. It's like a challenger to David. So this person thought by killing that person, he would have done David a favor. I've eliminated your competition. You must like me. So let's read on. Second Samuel chapter 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, When one told me, saying, Behold, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good tidings, I took hold of him and slew him in Ziklag. Who thought I would have given him a reward for his tidings? 
said that when somebody came to tell me this, I killed him. And rather, he thought I was going to reward him for telling me Saul was dead. He says, and David commanded his young men, and they slew them, and cut off their hands and their feet, and hung them up over the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it. What had happened is some people had come to tell him that they had killed Ishbosheth. And instead of rewarding them, he said, I don't want such killers around me. I don't want such people around me. You are not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed or even the son of the Lord's anointed. Do you see? I don't mix up with such people. Some of us have not learned that when people are disloyal to another person and they come to be your friend, they will be disloyal to you also. Yes. You see, so what you should be responding to is the trait of disloyalty in the person. But you shouldn't be so overtaken by the good news of the fact that they have dealt or have been disloyal to someone who is your enemy. Do you, do you, do you understand? But it is that sometimes you are so happy that <laughs> they are bringing bad news about your enemy that you don't notice what kind of person you are dealing with. You are dealing with someone who is a gossip, someone who carries stories from place to place. You are dealing with someone who is not afraid to touch important people and you are bringing such a person into your camp. You have to be careful in life who you bring around you. Do you get it? And David knew it. He said, unless you bring a cursed person into your camp, your life is cursed. Just like if you roll with blessed people, your life is blessed. Do you see? Yes. I think I'm blessed because I have a whole lot of blessed people in my, in my, in my life. People that I think they are, they are blessed. I, I, even when I look, I never get used to even the fact that I think they are blessed. I can just see it. Every day I can see this man is blessed. Yes, one of them is the prophet himself. I can see this, this is a very blessed man. I mean, he, he's, he's blessed. <laughs> yeah. And when you're with blessed people, your life is blessed. When you're with cursed people, let me show you an example. Jonah. Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. Please. The sharer of Jonah. Can you please show us Jonah chapter 1. I think you should see this before we go. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. Okay, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonas, the son of Amittai, saying, uh, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry upon them. Verse 3. Then, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. Isn't it? He went away from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4. Verse 4. Right? But the Lord, watch this. The Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Can you see a man that was cursed having joined a ship? The Lord has now sent out a great wind into the sea and the ship is now at risk because it has that man in it. So who, who are the people in your ship? 
Yes. Who are the people in your life? Who are the people hitching a ride in your life? Who are the people you are supporting? Writers of things against men of God? People who publish bad news about churches? People who are not afraid. Look, the Bible says, blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. He says, you are a blessed man if you do not sit where scornful people sit. You don't, you don't associate with people who mock and who laugh at God's things. Do you understand? Look at him. He says, yeah, this is the verse. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Do you know that there's a difference between standing in the way of sinners? That means being where they are. But sitting in the seat of the... Sitting is a sign of comfort. Do you get it? That you, you are okay... You are okay. There are some people in certain conversations, you should not be comfortable in that environment. Yes, you should hang up the phone and say, you know something, I think where this thing is going, I, I, I don't want to be part of it. I, I'm just out. You should get up. You should leave the party. You should leave the place. You should say, you know, I have something else to do. I have to go. The way the environment is, it must create discomfort for you. But if you sit there, it's a sign that you are adding yourself to them. And the Bible says you are blessed if you don't do it. When people are not blessed, they are anything else but blessed. So go back to the Jonah thing. I'm showing you how much trouble came to these people because of who was riding in their ship. You see, it says, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Your whole life is about to be broken because of who you are hanging out with. And then the next verse, verse 5, says, when, it says, then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. And cast forth the words that were in the ship into the sea. So you see, to lighten it of them. So you see now you are starting to lose things that you didn't have to lose because of who you have associated with. Do you see, you are throwing things, the, the things that they had in their ship, which was probably the reason for their voyage. Now they were throwing them into the ocean because of one man who has joined their ship. It says, but, and look at that man. Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, the one because of whom you are having all those problems, he's resting. <laughs> Next verse, six. Ha. Huh. So the shipmaster came to him and said, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Verse 7. Verse 7. Quick, 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 please. And they said, everyone to his fellow. No, they said everyone to his fellow. Come and let us cast lots. That we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So you can see that evil comes upon a group because of a person. 
So they cast lots. And the lot fell upon Jonah. (laughs) Verse 8. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? What have you been doing? (laughs) Do you see? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? I mean, tell us, what have you been up to? Who are you? Yeah, because our association with you has brought us so many problems. You have introduced curses into our lives. Our ship and our simple voyage that we were on is now about to be broken. And it's because of you. Verse 9 says, And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Verse 10. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Verse 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee? That the sea may be calm unto us. Do you see? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Then verse 12 says, And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. Do you see? So shall the sea be calm unto you. Throw that person out of your life. Then the sea becomes calm unto you. And he says, for I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Yeah. A spiritual person knows and understands that people are not just people, do you see? That people have an effect on us. And there are things that happen in your life because of who you are hanging out with, because of who you have chosen to befriend, because of who you have chosen to call your best friend, even who you have decided to help. I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. And then verse 13. Verse 13. Nevertheless, the men, look at this. Look at the men. They rode hard to bring it to the land because it was difficult for them to look the man in the face. They say, he hasn't done anything to us. And that's how sometimes some people need to break up a relationship. And they say, I can't do it because he hasn't done anything to me. You want him to kill you before. (laughs) Because I bet that if he killed you, it would be very easy for you to throw him out of your life. Because then you know he has killed you. (laughs) I think I'm sharing something very important with you. Do you see? Yes. So he said, and they could not. For this, they tried, they rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought and was tempestuous against them. So, verse 14 Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done it as it pleased thee. Verse 15. 
So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea and the sea ceased from her raging. Yeah. So some problems that you have, you have those problems because of some rebels that you support, that you agree with. Do you understand? In your mind, you are, you are sympathetic to their cause. You agree with them. You like what they are doing. You, you, it's what you would have liked to do, but you don't do it. So they seem to be doing it for you and you admire their courage. And they take refuge around you. So I, I, I don't deal with rebels. If you rebel, if you're a person who's rebelled against authority, even sometimes I have people who come to church and then, you know, as you're looking for members as a pastor and looking for souls, you become sometimes, you have um, quite a big appetite for <laughs> taking people in. Yeah. You get it? Yes. But sometimes I have conversations with people and I can tell this person is a rebel. <laughs> Yes, by what they are saying about the pastor from the other church they are coming to, you can tell, or coming from, you can tell that this is a rebel. This person is a rebel. Yes. And we've had them, we've had them, not just me, many of the other pastors, sometimes they tell me their stories, and say, you know, this person, you need to let them go. Yes, you need to let them go. Don't encourage them to stay. It's better to have an empty seat in your chair, in, in, your, in your church, than to have a rebel come and be part of you. Because what he did to the other pastor is only a matter of time. He'll do it to you also. Yes. So you see, these people are forcing to accommodate Jonah. And they were rowing hard to try to, you know, but they don't know that what is against them. Human effort cannot tame it. Yes, you can't. God himself has sent this thing again because the man is cursed. The man is in disobedience. There's something coming after him. And these people who touch the Lord's anointed, who are not afraid to do, David knew it. I don't want any such person in my camp. A killer of kings and anointed people. I don't want you in my camp. Go and kill the man. <laughs> and when the second group came and they said, we have killed Saul's son, Ishbosheth, cut off their hands, cut off, just clear these people and just move them away. Rebels, killers. Yes, but they thought, you know, you have to be careful. People who come and give you good news about your enemy. Yes, you need to be careful with such people. Hallelujah. And yet, on the other hand, you see those who roll with blessed people, like Lot. Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. You see, Genesis chapter 13 and verse 1. It says, and Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had. Look at this. And it says, and Lot with him. Do you see? So Lot is keeping company with Abraham. And they went into the south. The next verse, 2. Verse 2 says, and what? Verse 2, verse 2, verse 2, verse 2, please. It says, okay, let me read it. Okay. 
Yes. Vest, is it there? Okay, maybe they're having some problem. Okay. The, the, open, open your Bible. The devil just wants to, you know, disturb our things. So, is it come? Right. And Abraham, watch this. Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. You see? So that's a blessed man, isn't it? Then in verse 3, verse 3, and he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and High. And then verse 4, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Of the Lord, I mean. Now, verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abraham, he had flocks and heads and tents. So question is, who, who do you go with? Do you see? Who is in your camp? Who are the people you roll with? Their destiny becomes your destiny. So when you choose to go with people who are losers, people who break spiritual laws and spiritual principles and who don't care about all these things, you are setting yourself up for danger. On the other hand, when you are with people who are walking in obedience, trying to set the... Abraham was a man who called upon the Lord. Do you see? He feared God. And Lot, he just went with him. Look at it. He had flocks and heads and tents. And he just went with Abraham. So who are you going with? Do you see? Yes, because it's bound to show up. You walk with blessed people, you are blessed. You walk with cursed people, you are cursed. You don't have to, to violate anything yourself to bring the curse. Your company is what will enforce the curse upon you because of who you are with. Do you see? Yeah. Sometimes you hear about people who have gotten into some kind of trouble and when you ask what did they do, then they tell you they were just at the wrong place. Do you know anybody who's been in? Yes. It's a very common problem. They were just at the wrong place. Yeah. They were riding in a car with some people who had gone to steal something or they were given a ride or something or they were at a place when, you know, the shootout began or something. They were just, they are cast because of who they went with. That's it. And the others are also blessed because of who they went with. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to keep your place. Amen. Don't encourage rebels. If you have friends who say funny things about the church, about God's people, about men of God, any man of God, whether it's Benny Hinn or Bishop Jakes or whoever, anybody that is a man of God, that is serving God, that God is using, you should be very careful. Don't go near such people. 
lest what God sends after them will come after you. And when you keep reading the story of Jonah, you see God had it, he was really after the man. (laughs) I tell you, he was really after the man. And these poor strangers, their poor boat was now coming apart because of this one man. Yes, and when God, the people threw Jonah, they threw him into the ocean. God had prepared a whale. <laughs> yes, God said, hey, hey, excuse me, come here. Come and get this guy. <laughs> yes. Because it's harder to fall into the hands of God. And as soon as Jonah leaves their boat, we don't hear about these guys anymore. Yes, they are in the story because of who is in their boat. <laughs> Yeah. Once they get rid of Jonah, that's it. They tried, as all human beings should. They were courteous to him. They tried. You know something? We'll keep you here, but we'll try and roll hard so that this whole thing doesn't affect all of us. It's okay. And as they tried and they tried and they tried, then, you know, the captain said, you know something, man, (laughs) I think your advice was good. We're going to throw you into this thing. And they carried the man, and they said, one, Two. two, three, they cast him out and when they cast him the sea calmed down then they started to think we should have done this a long time ago yeah because by that time they had lost all their words they had thrown away they thought they took too many containers and they had thrown some of those containers they were shipping your car and they just threw it in the in the ocean you know your goods were dumped somewhere. And they said, ah, if we knew it was this man, we would have gotten rid of him a long time ago. God's word to you today, get rid of people who are rebels, people who fight against his cause, people who are living in disobedience. Don't have such people around you and your life will be blessed. Amen. I think our time is up. Our time is up. It's enough preaching for a day. Hallelujah. We can never finish talking about David because there are more points. But I want you to get the book, amen, and read it yourself and it will bless you, amen. Bow your heads with me. I don't know which part of today's preaching has spoken to you, but I know that God has spoken to everyone because God always has something to say when his word is being preached God always wants to reach out to his sons and daughters so I want you to pray to the Lord and say Lord concerning this area help me and allow the Lord to minister to you concerning the specific thing that he spoke to you about whether it is allowing him to work things out or not allowing rebels to come into your life or listening to advice or not isolating yourself or not violating fathers or behaving wisely when you're blessed or seeing people the right way
so many different things God has spoken to us about. Just say, Lord, please help me. In the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus. Thank you. We bless your name, O Lord. Thank you for speaking to us. I want you to pray. Open your mouth and pray. Just open your mouth. It's okay to speak in tongues. It's okay to pray out loud. It's okay to speak to God concerning what he has told you in the name of Jesus. Yes. Midoro sendiri ala babu shandari ala babaya bala babaya. Mikanda mu sendiri ala babu sheteri ala babaya. Miko masendiri ala sateri ala bakandari ala babaya. Oh Jesus, yes Lord, masha kafara bala babaya. Ibala babala bala bala babaya. Oh yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Mikhela mamu shendari ala babaya babaya. Mikhonoru bushindia balababoru shindia mushatari ala babaya. Yes, help us, Lord, to obey. Help us, Lord, to obey. Help us, Lord, to obey. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, deliver us from stubbornness, Lord, and help us to pain. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. One more time, lift up your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. 
today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the guidance, for the counsel. Thank you for the warnings. Thank you for the rebukes, the correction that we have received today. We pray that we'll be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. Deliver us from self-deception in the name of Jesus. And help us. Lord, we ask especially that you open our eyes to see who should not belong in our company. To see who should not be around us. To see where we should not be sitting and where we shouldn't be comfortable, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you will save us from toxic environments, dangerous company, people through whom curses are able to enter our lives and alter our destinies. We pray that you will guide us and lead us to where there is a blessing, where there is a blessing, where your hand is at work, where you are doing something good and something great. And guide our feet into the lives of such people. And help us, Lord, to survive in that environment. Help us to remain. Help us to stay where you have planted us. Yes. Because when we are planted by the rivers of water, we also bear our fruit. Our leaves don't wither. And whatever we do, we prosper because of where we are planted. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in Jesus' name. Now, as we close the service, I want to lead you in a prayer. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to say, Pastor, pray with me, because I know I'm a sinner. I know that if I die today, I don't know for sure where I'll go, but I want to be sure that I will go to heaven. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to be a child of God. I want to embrace Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Now, if you're here like that, or you are online, or watching us on YouTube, or wherever else you might be right now, maybe even listening to the podcast, but you know in your heart that you are not saved, I pray, Lord, that you will give your life to Jesus this afternoon. So pray with me, everybody. Say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. And you died for my sins. And you died for my sins. Please come into my heart, Lord. Please come into my heart. I invite you to be my Lord. I invite you to be my Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. Forgive my sins, Lord. Forgive my sins, Lord. Let your blood wash me, please. Let your blood wash me. And let your blood cleanse me. And let your blood cleanse me. And make me a child of God. And make me a child of God. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Write my name. Write my name. 
in your book of life. Say it again. Say, please, Lord. Please, Lord. Write my name. Write my name. My name is, and mention my your name. My name is. And say, please write this name. Please write this name. In your book of life. In your book of life. Because I want to be a child of God. Because I want to be a child Thank of you, God. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For saving me. For saving me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For hearing my prayer. For hearing my prayer. And making me a child of God. And making me a child of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Amen. 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 We want to have communion. Are you blessed today? Very. Right. We want to have communion right now and come to the Lord's table. Hallelujah. Amen. God is with us. Amen. And his hand is upon us. Hallelujah. We're going to join the prophet at the First Love Center or on Flow Church. Yes, we're going to join him on Flow Church. Amen. Amen. Do we all know about Flow Church? Flow Church is our other denomination, our online denomination. Amen. Amen. And we all belong to it. And Flow Church, you can participate in Flow Church from any part of the world. Yeah. Wherever you are. Whatever you're doing, even if you work on Sundays, if your work allows it, you can just tune into Flow Church mm. on Sunday mornings and you can have service right there on the job. Yep. Yes, you can have service right there on the job, whether you're a pilot or a captain of a ship or even a chef in a restaurant. As you're cooking, you can actually be in Flow Church. Do you see? So Flow Church is something that we must all subscribe to. So go online, subscribe to Flow Church and make sure that you, you put the bell on there or you click on the bell so that way anytime there's Flow Church service, you would be notified and you'll be able to be part of it. Amen. All right, let's have communion right now. Let's go and join the prophet as we do so. Amen. I want to pray specially for your wound healing. All right. Father, thank you for this. The breaking of this bread. As I break it, it signifies the wound that you have ever had. And the wounds that you shall have. Thank you. For every wound we know is a test. And we shall be healed. The body of Jesus Christ. And now the blood. Listen. May this be disinfectant. For every gem and demon. Amen. That wants to plague your life. Yes. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. May you be healed. Yes. And cleansed of every yes. demonic presence and yes. entity. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Yes. 
The blood of Jesus washes, cleanses, forgives. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, before we have our Thanksgiving praise team, come on. I want you to lift your hands for your blessing. Mm-hmm. Father, thank you for everyone yes. that is watching. Yes. Maybe maybe it's your birthday maybe it's a special day I don't know what day it is in your life but today is a day for wound healing the Bible says his deadly wound was healed as you lift your hands to the Lord Receive the grace for wound healing of all types of wounds in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Live long. Live long beyond your wounds. Amen. As Job lived 140 years longer after his wounds. Amen. The wound of divorce. Mm. The wound of breakup. Yes. The wound of disappointments. The wounds of betrayal. Yes. The wounds of marital hurts. Yes. The wounds of financial pain. Mm. The wounds of betrayal and loss yes. in your life. In the name of Jesus. The wounds of the ministry. Yes. Be healed today by the power of God. The Lord bless you and make his face to shine upon you. The Lord heal you from pain and disappointment and disillusionment and discouragement and depression in the name of Jesus Christ. Be lifted up. Yes. Like Jacob. Let your limping and your limp be a sign of your greatness. Yes. Let your scars be a sign of your survival and of your high rank in the kingdom of God may you stand at a higher rank because you are healed you are healed and purified of the pain of the difficulty that you have been through recover now from your own sin and from your own failings and from your own fallings through which you fell down into the arms of Satan oh. recover and be healed yes, every smell Amen. of Satan and of Amen. darkness on your life is washed away today yes. in the name of Jesus Christ Jesus name. of Nazareth Amen. and now the Lord help you to walk straight yes. to operate with your scars yes to operate with pain and to operate with healing Hmm. healing healing that comes to you today from the power of God and by the power of God whatever sexual wounds you have experienced marital wounds and moral wounds psychological wounds be healed of it right now in the name of Jesus may all the flow 
members. Yes, Lord. Be blessed today and be blessed with wound healing. Yes. Now I see somebody who couldn't walk, but now I see you on a mountain. You are actually climbing a mountain Hallelujah. where you couldn't even walk on a Hallelujah. flat ground. But God has strengthened you to be able to walk on a high ground, on a mountain. Receive it now. Jesus. Your healing is so fantastic. Yes. So fantastic that people can't believe that God has done so much for you and turned your captivity. Be blessed. Mm. I hear the word recover, mm. restore, and return. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord bless you and the Lord increase you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is healing every wound in anyone's life. In the name of Jesus, all our lives are healed by the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.